Yo, what's up everybody? It's your boy A.L. Newton and you're tuned in to another episode of A New Perspective. So glad that you found time uh, to start your week or in your week to listen to the old perspective. And let me tell you, before I get get started in the perspective, and boy, do we have a lot to talk about uh, this episode. As I was looking at the, the old show notes here, I was like, goodness gracious, a lot caught my attention more than than in a while i want to pause and say thank you um up to this point now we've been heard in 39 countries which is unheard of um got the the spotify the analytics the rap or whatever it was and i was really blown away that it's up uh 380 percent in hours listen 355 percent in the amount of times it's been streamed 260 percent uh, and the number of followers that follow the perspective on follow Spotify and uh, 125% more listeners than last year. So uh, that's not off of me. That's not anything I've done. That's all off of you all and the way you continue to share it. Those of you who um, do interact with us on social media, those of you who text me because y'all say I'm too controversial. It is what it is. Uh, to those of you who hold it down on weeks that I don't feel like I'm my best to the guests that come in and pop on. Hey, listen, uh, Perspective Studios is almost up. It's almost ready. We're almost at the point where we're, we're ready to in the Well, I'm in the position to bring on more guests in the position to uh, start streaming live in the position to do some other things. And so I am tremendously blessed and extremely excited for that. And that is only possible. Uh, through ah! I should back that out. Yes, something fell, and you all got to hear me scream, but it is what it is. Um, I am tremendously thankful and grateful for all of you and all that you do in making this podcast a success. And as much as it is my perspective, because you listen to it, it's your perspective. And when we share it together, it's a new perspective. So let's let's hop into it, because there is a lot going on in the world. So my favorite, uh, well, my second favorite little Bootsy song starts off like this. It goes, I rose slow through the ghetto, Kiatala and Bootsy. This life, a man, an N-word is living. Make me feel like I'm starring in a movie. And sometimes I look at the world and I'm like, dang, this really is a movie that all of the crazy things uh, that you see in movies are might be based in reality and there are some things that i don't ever um toss out even if they're fictional uh i'm not dismissive of of harry potter because i can't believe the bible and know the bible talks about witches and hexes and spells and all those things and and then say i don't believe in in that there could be a world with a wizarding school i mean it is what it is i i believe in Aliens, I believe in all kind of stuff just because somebody might say my my beliefs are far-fetched if they're on the extreme end of the spectrum. But there are moments when I'm like, man, we just don't learn from the movies. We just don't learn from what we've seen. And this week, some of the things I've seen um, just furthers that notion that we don't listen so the first thing that popped out to me and it's like hey i've seen this in the movie and we don't listen i was reading an article 
um, or I saw an article pop up and it caught my attention about reproducing robots. Yeah, about uh, this college part of a project, this, this scientist uh, last year introduced robots that uh, were alive, that had robotic cells and generated and healed and fixed itself. And now that specimen, after a year after it's created, uh, a year after it's been in a, in a scientific lab, because it's it's mutated with the uh, cells of a frog in Africa, can now reproduce. And <laughs> yeah, the, the cells of a robot are reproducing. And I feel like we've seen this on a movie where the robots just come and take over <laughs> and there's nothing we could do about it because they've learned from us and then there's always some rogue person who didn't trust the science to begin with and had to save us all like did we not learn what what is the point of there being robots people who swear they're terrified of automation and uh, jobs and being replaced I, I'm, I'm convinced I'm going to see I'm going to live in a world now where at some point and I might be 80 or 90 years old I'll see a flying car and I'll see robots just casually walking the street and uh, it it's exciting from the standpoint of innovation it's exciting from the standpoint of what it might do scientifically um, hell this research could extend lives by hundreds of years at some point but uh, I've, I've seen this movie I know how it ends. I've, I've seen the movie of the deadly virus breakout, the disease that breaks out, and everybody in the world who trusted science beforehand uh, no longer listens to the medical official who's like, hey, this is trouble. And so now there's a new variant of the COVID virus out. Uh, or Corian, whatever it is, every time I see it, I automatically think of Marion. It's, it's a new variant, which is crazy to me how the variants work. Maybe somebody will teach this to me. I'll learn it if it was found. So, <laughs> Africa, first off, South Africa took the blame for this variant. And I think that's BS on the world because not necessarily, not necessarily South Africa because there are places in South Africa who, that are way more developed than America could ever be um, because Africa is the focal point of the world all the oil, all the diamond, all the gold, all of the resources uh, down to the human resources that made the world the world are literally sitting in Africa Eden is somewhere in Africa I believe that is why there are so many areas that we have not yet discovered or been able to venture to in Africa but um, because the rest of the world has robbed Africa of her precious resources in certain extents um, like America but has discarded thousands and thousands of vials of this vaccine that people don't want to get and so viruses mutated and it runs and and I think it's even crazier that South Africa reported it and the world tried to say it was about the way South Africa handled the virus, blah, 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 blah. When in all actuality, it started in Europe. I mean, 
I, I some, sometimes I really am uncomfortable saying certain stuff on this show. But how how fitting is it for the Europeans to have a deadly virus, hide it, and get it somehow into Africa and then blame Africa for having the virus? I'm almost positive. You looked in the history books since history was recorded. That's kind of the narrative of uh, people from the European world. And I can say that. I mean, I was born in Europe. I was born in Germany. So uh, I'm, I have that liberty to say, hey, sometimes Europeans are reckless when it comes to uh, their handling of things that could kill a lot of people as long as it does not hurt them or does not, not even necessarily hurt them. As long as it does not make them uh, uh, as long as it does not make them um, how does it say that how, as long as it doesn't ruin their reputation and uh, and, it, and it blows my mind that Africa took the blame for something that Europeans had been hiding you know, sometimes I feel like I'm in a movie. When I go and I look at the way, since I'm on the virus, I feel like I'm on I'm, I'm, I'm on a movie. The more stuff that comes out about the previous occupant of the White House, the more disgusted and the more upset I get. If you don't know, for those persons who say they don't listen to the news and they use the perspective for their news or for their opinion talking head, I appreciate that you come to me and not CNN or not Fox or MSNBC or Twitter or Facebook. Come to the old perspective. It really blows my mind that Donald John Trump was tested positive for COVID. Tested positive. And if you remember, even on this show, I was like, yeah, no, he's clearly in pain. Like, he clearly has COVID. And people were debating if he had it at the debate. And it comes out, he had a positive test and knew he had COVID. He still went to the debate with an old man. Joe Biden, for whatever you want to call him, is an old man. Okay. With all of those people at the debate hall, with no vaccine, and knowing that people would not have access to the type of treatment he had, went out in public as a positive uh, patient held, held an event in the Rose Garden for Amy Coney Barrett they went to go see Gold Star Families and that is that goes back into I don't know if it was last week or the week before when I said you know Joe Biden is doing horrible at this whole presidential thing but I don't worry about him not being a decent human being and at this point, and at this point in Joe Biden's president, as a footnote, I need somebody to convince me that we'd have been worse off with Hillary Clinton in the White House. I need for somebody to convince me that Donald Trump or Joe Biden is doing a better job than Hillary Clinton would have done. Yeah, she she says some crazy stuff. Yeah, Benghazi. Yeah, um, pandering. Yeah, all that stuff. But her politics right now, probably, you know, and I might have lost credibility because I said the same thing about Joe, but Hillary is a little bit more cerebral. And and it makes me uh, nervous. If I was a Democrat, I'd be real nervous. I'd be real nervous 
people that don't understand the stock market are blaming the stock market on Joe, even though we, we knew there would be some pullback from when everybody was making money, that the stock market has not been a place for people just to trade on an app. It There's a reason there are brokers and agents to it. And now because we're so invested because on two minutes on TD Ameritrade or I think some people do it on Cash App or Stanley Morgan or whatever you want to do. And trust me, I still have uh, good money tied up into the stock market in and in a brokerage. I feel the pain, but that's not on the president. The, the, you just sometimes I wonder what's getting done. And you can't convince me that either one of these men have been better than the woman. And it feels like a movie. It feels like the good candidate watching on the sideline because the bad guy won. And sometimes the bad guy wins. You know, I'm just saying that sometimes I feel like this is a movie. There's stuff like the, the, the Jesse Smollett case. It feels like a movie where someone tried to frame someone and got caught. And listening to the testimonies or reading about them have just been the most confusing things in the world. And sometimes I, I wonder who the hell is advising these people. Because at this point, bro, we know you faked it. At this point, bro, we know you hired someone. At this point, bro, we know that you were just upset that you got cut off of Empire. At this point, bro, we get that you might be upset that your sister is a bigger star off of one movie when she was a kid than you'll ever be. We get it, bro. But the fake crying and the fake tears all feel like theater. Sometimes I feel like I'm in a movie. Uh, there was a movie years ago. It's one of my um, it's one of my favorite movies from from when I was younger. Holy hell, and now I'm not going to be able to remember the name of it. Oh, God, Lord have mercy. Full disclosure, I definitely just stopped to look up this movie. But it's called Leap of Faith. It came out in 1992, and uh, it's starring Steve Martin. And in it, Steve Martin is a scammer, and he's scamming as a preacher. He uh, travels and has miracles, and they've got all this stuff to, to get inside of what's going on on people. And he eventually encounters a real miracle and this boy walks and Steve Martin is like blown away. Well, I guess I shouldn't turn away just in case you haven't seen it. But in it, it tells a story about a preacher for profit and that um, a preacher for profit that experiences a real miracle. And so let me not uh, be tread real lightly here because I know some people, <coughs> there's Rosin will try to twist my words against me. Um, I personally, as someone who pastors a congregation, does not from from a standpoint of net positive in my own financial bank account have cannot profit cannot grow financially from the income i make as being just the pastor uh, i don't hide that my pastoral salary for the year at the church i serve is thirty two hundred dollars a year not not thirty two hundred dollars a month it's thirty two hundred dollars a year that's that's what the church um pays me now <laughs> I tithe um, oh if I tell y'all what I tithe y'all will be able to reverse figure out my salary but I tithe more than double that in a year so throw that out the way for this conversation but when I think of leap of faith and you know how I, the preacher had to 
uh, encounter and experience and uh, see something different. Uh, this Joel Osteen story is crazy to me. I remember them. I think it was like 13 or 14. They got robbed and there were $600,000 that went missing. One, I couldn't fathom um, pastoring a congregation that brought in $600,000 in one Sunday. That is just the, the amount of ministry that I think of that comes to my mind with $600,000. Uh, I know what, what kind of ministry we're able to do with, <laughs> with not $600,000. Uh, not even, not even a tenth of that, not even one percent of that. But I, I know the ministry that we're able to do. I couldn't imagine, not even church related. Could you imagine? I know, and sixty dollars is missing, let alone six hundred thousand dollars. So they're looking for it. They're looking for it, and finally, all these years later, the plumber finds it in the wall of the church. The bathroom wall of the church he finds six hundred thousand dollars made up of cash and checks he turns it in like he's supposed to and the church does not want to honor the twenty five thousand dollar reward that they had for if someone found this money now i don't know i just feel like that that is uh can be worked in a parable i feel like that can be um, I just feel like there's there's many examples in the Bible of how that's not shouldn't put up a reward and somebody find it because and I'm gonna tell you I don't care where I find six hundred thousand dollars I don't care where I find six hundred thousand dollars if I find six hundred thousand dollars it's gonna be a long conversation between me and the Lord about if I'm turning that in I'm just gonna tell y'all the truth God is not done with me yet my bills are too high they they are rolling in um. <laughs> and six hundred thousand dollars is already spent the moment I find it. So the least you could do is honor your word and and pay me what you said you're going to pay me. It's wild to me. It is it is a wild misconception. Or right, oh, misconception is the wrong word. It's 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 a wild concept that Lakewood is not doing that part. And so I'm not hating on that minister or hating on that uh, preacher. Uh, I'm sure Joel Osteen will never listen to this podcast. I can't say that I'll never meet him because I've met some pretty extraordinary people, but I just, I, I thank God every day that that isn't my ministry, that that is not, um, because I think you should know the leader of your church. I think you all should be able to have conversation and, and, and your leader ought to be somebody you could reach out and, 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 and get a hold of. I just feel like with that many people walking in and out of the church, there's no personal relationship. And that's part of, uh, being a quote unquote shepherd is a shepherd knows all of their sheep. Uh, but a shepherd never takes on more sheep than they could know but a wolf will keep as many sheep around to eat as they possibly can. So, um, you know, I, uh, I just, uh, I think that's slightly alarming and I'm, I'm slightly disgusted about it. And I don't know why I thought I, um, I don't know why I thought of leap of faith for that. And I just, I just pray that people, 
I pray that people see better and do better and and know better. And I hope I want Lakewood to pay my guy his doll hairs. You know, sometimes I feel like I am in a movie or that life is a movie. So Brittany, Brittany Reiner, we've talked about her before. Uh, blah, 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 blah. This, 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 <laughs> and for all of the goat stuff Dion has done, for Dion to bring her in to talk to her players, to talk to his players about being accountability of a man, <laughs> I just think those optics are horrible. I get what Dion is doing, but Homegirl does not feel like she's a gold digger. Having had conversations with her, I don't think she's a gold digger per se. I think she is a elevator elevator of her own network. Um, but like she was, she was <laughs> I, maybe maybe. Yeah, let me say my comment that get me canceled for no, no, because we still got to talk about abortion and school shooting. So I'm not going to make my comment that's going to get me canceled for the day on this. But a man can't tell a woman how to be a woman and a woman can't tell a, 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 a man how to be a man. I'm not talking about self-identifying. I'm not talking about people going through transitions. I'm saying that if you have never, I, I'm thankful. I don't tell my mama thank you enough for um, not trying to be my daddy at the same time because she couldn't have been. Now she could, she could teach me things uh, from a woman's perspective. She could guide me and nurture me on certain things, but there are still things that my mama couldn't teach me. I can tell you now, I can own it, that there are things that I have said to women that my mama never taught me how to say. There are things that are cowardly and unmanly that my mama never taught me how to do. And I wish there was some, some how do I say that, more male influence in some of those things. But to, to bring Brittany in to talk to a bunch of kids, I'm sure the jokes were flying about her looking for her next man. And we don't spend enough, and I didn't spend enough time, and people don't spend enough time talking about how predatorial that was for her to to do. And if it would have been a man, we would have eaten them alive. I, I'm kind of turned off by the decision, and I don't get the the basis of that decision by Dion. But hey, he just won his conference championship, and. Um, I don't think he put HBCUs on the map, but there are definitely people who aren't familiar with HBCUs who are paying attention to HBCUs, which is something to celebrate, but something to mourn at the same time because it just is. Uh, but shout out to Dion. I know people who said Dion can't coach. We'll see how that goes because if Dion wants at least a G5 job, the offer is coming and one day a P5 job, hope that his health gets uh, gets better. But uh, it's it's kind of weird. You know, sometimes I feel like I'm in a movie. That life imitates art. I say that because I just said that a man can't tell a woman how to be a woman and a woman can't tell a man how to be a man. Now you can tell you can tell a specific woman what you're looking for in a woman as a as a being or vice versa. But I don't feel like it's ever a man's place to tell a woman what she can do with her body. I just don't. I don't I don't think anybody couldn't tell you what you can do with your body. And I don't care what you do with your body as long as you're not hurting children or going 
going against someone's consent. There, there are some extreme stuff. I remember two girls, one cup when we were younger. There's some extreme stuff in the world. If you want to, if you want to do some of this, I've, I've walked in sex shops and been mind blown at some of the things and equipment that people use on their bodies. I've watched some uh, pornographic material that was extremely wild and wicked and made me say, whoa there, buddy. But I don't want to tell you what to do with your body as long as the person is consenting and you're consenting. I've seen people who uh, got tattoos in places that I wouldn't get tattoos, piercings in places that I wouldn't get pierced. But I don't treat them any different because that's their body, their choice. Even with the vaccine, people that don't want to get vaccinated, that's their choice. You know how I feel about it. Um, it, it is what it is. But the fact that Roe versus Wade Wade is back on the table is mind-blowing to me that we in this country still debate whether or not we can tell women what to do with their bodies because we value life uh, I think it's even more suspect that Brett Kavanaugh is going to be the one that drives the boat on this and uh, he only got confirmed because he promised people that he wasn't going to touch the precedent of this law. I, I, I know women who have had abortions um, before anybody texts me or tweets me. Yeah, no, not of my own. Um, but I've, I've counseled and talked people through, hey, how did you reach that decision? I don't know anybody who up and willy-nilly happily reached that decision as much as we portrayed on Twitter and people say, oh, oh, to the clinic I go. I, I don't know people who have made that choice with a smile on their face. That's their heavy grief to bear. And when we start talking about protecting children and things that happen with children and babies, and then start talking about it from a religious standpoint, a religious point of view, all I'm saying is that I can recount several times in the Bible where children were led to slaughter uh, for biblical warfare I'm not saying that's the same as an abortion I'm saying that there are things biblically that we avoid talking about and when we start adding Bible to basic life for a basic conversation we as Christians lead ourselves to have to talk about some things and gone are the days where our base argument can be oh well you don't question God uh, well one I don't believe in that theory at all I believe you ought to ask God why all the time and, and seek clarity and clarification from God however I, I just don't think that that's the reason or that's the why to subjugate somebody to to your belief. If you have to force your beliefs on a person, not not your child that you're trying to mold or you're trying to influence. But if you have to force your belief on a grown adult, then is your belief worth believing in? If I have to make you eat my food just to tell me that it's just for me to feel good about myself, was well, my food really good? If I have to make you text me or make you be my friend or make you be involved with me, does that mean you really want to be involved with me? I just wish when it comes to this argument, we would step back and ask ourselves if we really believe that God is the God that 
is merciful yet gives out justice if we we feel like we're doing the lord's work when it comes to taking a stance against abortion wouldn't we allow god to judge those who got it if it's criminal i'm and i'm not advocating for it if you know me by this point and if you're listening this far into the perspective by now because i get the analytics on how often people turn it off you know there is nothing more that i want in the world nothing more i want in the world nothing there's absolutely nothing more than i want in the world than to have a baby nothing you can't convince me that life isn't precious but I also think that having a baby is my wife and I's choice. I just do. And and when I was younger and did some stupid stuff, it was me and, and whoever the young lady at the time was choice. Ride up to Walgreens and spend $54. It's, it's people's choice. And you have to deal with that. I think about that every time I'm like, hey, God, where's my baby? Where's mine? I think about the number of trips for Plan B's I've made. I, I don't think I can be any more raw or real um, on this podcast than that moment. That if we believe God hands out judgment and that God uh, holds people accountable, then I think we should believe that. And not try to make that or force that or, or make that be subjugated to to other people's belief and if we do it legally does that make us better than any other country who does it physically who who murders people for getting an abortion or having an abortion or, or amy coney barry said it's so much easier to adopt i looked at it people ask me all the time why don't you adopt i've got my own personal reasons that's a whole another episode of the perspective but i did look at it at one point it ain't cheap to adopt it's not And I'm not a woman. I will never know what it feels. I can't say I don't know what it feels to be like molested. I've, I've been there. I don't know what it's like as an adult to be raped. So I can't I can't say I know what a woman feels like if she's raped. I can't imagine what it feels like. Nobody in my family has ever done anything to me. So I can't ever say I, I know what it likes to feel to be in an incestual situation. And to be a woman with a womb that carries a child from that situation. I can't say that. I can't say that I, I understand birthing of child from that situation and feeling the unconditional love and the unconditional hatred of the conditional reminder. I know. It's outdated practice. Let people be in control of their bodies and whatever their consequences are, as long as you aren't the person that has to deal with them, let them deal with their consequences as long as as long as my kid is is on my insurance there's certain level of stuff he's got to understand he's got to go to the doctor he's got to do this he's got to do that there's some risk he just can't take because he's on my insurance when he gets on his own he can do whatever the hell he wants to and if something happens uh i'll be there to pray for him i'll be there for as much as you know I hopefully my point did not just die on what I said, but at that point it's his choice. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, when I, when I was living in my mama's house, 
it was her choice. I followed her rules. And if I didn't like them, I just didn't go to her house. I go to my grandma's house. I don't I, I don't cuss at my grandma's house. I never would unless she's listening to the perspective because I, I can think of maybe three times my whole life of her and my grandma cuss. I don't cuss at my grandpa's house. I can think of maybe two or three times in my whole life I've ever heard him cuss. There are, there are rules. And if I'm under your litigation, I follow your rules. But when I'm on my own, I make my own choices. My life, my choice. Let people make their own decisions. And somehow I feel like this is a twilight zone where I'm living in a movie. I feel like I'm living in a movie. Clarence Avant is uh, there's there's a documentary on his life on Netflix uh, called The Black Godfather. He is tremendous to what he meant, means to black music. He's almost in his 90s now. Um, and, and it feels like in a movie that someone would break into the home of two 80 year olds and shoot an 83, 84 year old woman in the stomach. Um, I I can't fathom. Ima- imagine their whole life uh going into their wonder years. And and Clarence Avant was in the house when it happened. But can you imagine being 80 something, someone breaking into your house and your wife being shot in the stomach? And a robbery? So so rest in peace uh Jacqueline. Jacqueline Avant as for her own philanthropy and the way she stuck by uh, Clarence and, and just their story, their life story is amazing. And, um, you know, that, that really bothered me because that feels like something in a movie. Here's where I want to land my plane. Sometimes I feel like I'm living in a movie. That life is imitating uh, life is imitating the things that are going on uh, in movies on April 20th 1999 um, America was rocked and if social media would have been around I could only imagine the whirlwind it was in when the Columbine High School massacre happened, when, uh, when, when, when two twelfth-grade students walked in and killed twelve of their peers and their teachers, sparking a very heated debate across this country as far as gun laws and gun advocacy and mental health and uh, the perception of those in whom shoot and kill this is not a rant against the second amendment in fact uh, jordan just got a new hunting rifle because he likes to hunt um, we're, we're moving in the woods and so um, we're gonna get a little bit something bigger in the house just in case you know there's, there's ever an animal i can't handle um i carry i don't hide that i carry I believe in your right to have the guns for your protection of your home. It's not a gun right uh, speech. 
But as someone whose father is an educator, whose mother is an educator, whose wife is an educator, whose closest friends are educators um, or have some type of way in the school system, nothing scares me more than a damn school shooting. Um, nothing scares me more than getting a call that says, hey, uh, not not just Newt, but Pastor Newton, you probably should make your way to the high school or Hey, Anthony, um, a fifth grader brought a gun into a classroom and, and there was a tragedy with your mom or and your wife. Hey, hey uh, a, a, a high schooler, middle schooler brought a gun to school and, and your dad's not here. That, that nothing, there is nothing. There is nothing. Um, if you are close to me, if you're extremely close to me, and I think that there is an opportunity that... Uh, I would have to, or, or, or occasion would arise that I'd have to preach your eulogy. I've probably already written it. Th those are the only circumstances and situations that I'm not prepared for because school shooting scared the holy hell out of me. And this country has become so numb since April 20th, 1999 to school shootings that it is um, sickening. And I know we'll boast 2020 as there being no school shootings, but 2020 for the large majority of the year, schools were closed. It is one thing to say that kids need help. They do. If you have any interactions with young people, you know that these kids need as much as our help as possible. That they need as much of our love and attention and that you don't ever know what's going on in a child's life. One of the um, one of the women that helped mentor me in school and, and helped make me who I was, she tells her story, um, and, she, and she tells it really well. She was on lunch duty um, one day monitoring the hallway, and if you grew up in Columbia County, went to Columbia High School, you know that um, you know what I'm talking about when I say the long haul. So she was um, on duty on in the long haul. And uh, there was a kid every day that would run from the back of his classroom close to the double doors where you where we'd get on the bus and would sprint to the cafeteria every day. Every day he'd sprint. And so one day she stood in front of him and she said, hey, hey, slow down. It's just cafeteria food. It's not that good. And, and the kid turned back and looked to her and said, it'd be that good if it's the only meal you're going to eat in a day. You never know what a kid is going through. I know that. I get that. I understand it. But somewhere as a society and in and, and personal accountability, we got to factor in what's going on with our kids and, and having a realistic uh, breed on your child on if they can handle a firearm. This kid in Michigan, uh, first off, the jackass that decided, the jackasses in the media, that decided to use this boy's picture from when he was like in fourth grade. <laughs> this is the stuff black people talk about. If that kid would have been black, they would have found a picture to make him look like a villain. The media went and found the most innocent looking picture of a boy who had just shot up a school. And people talk about it all the time. When white men commit heinous crimes, they always go find a friendly picture. And if they've got a family, they're going to use a family picture. 
Nevertheless, that's not where we're at. This kid, one, uh, the teacher does everything she's supposed to do. She sees a homicidal note or, or some, some very disturbing information. Uh, the students see the kid post about the gun and stuff on Instagram. Um, the, the teacher takes a picture. The boy alters a note. He's drawing people in bloody clothes. They they call the parents, and the parents, ref, one, refuse to take. How do parents refuse to take their child from school? Your child is drawing stuff, Googling ammunition, drawing dead bodies on a piece of paper and how do you as a parent leave your child in school when i encounter bad parents i get really mad with god because i know i'd be one hell of a dad i mean i'm already one hell of a dad but y'all know what i mean they refuse to take their kid to school the mom when the boy got caught Googling ammunition said, Oh, I'm not mad at you. I just gotta I just gotta teach you how not to get caught. What kind of bull crap is that? But that sidebar, there are parents that teach their children this crap every day. I I'd say it all the time. My mom would never have a parent teacher conference for me. I knew what she would thought about the parent teacher conference after we left because she talked too loud and on the phone. She still talked too loud on the phone. So when she talked to her best friend, I knew how she felt about the parent teacher conference. But she would never undermine an educator in front of me, even when I was right. And she might come back later on and and tell me I was right, but she was never going to undercut the person who was responsible for me. So, one, that, that's bullcrap parenting there. Then you don't take your child from the school. That's bullcrap parenting there. But then how dare the school system, the, the repercussion being that you've got 48 hours to get your child some counseling. If I hold the school guilty of any of it, that little boy should have left that school that day with his parents. And for the punishment if that kid would have been black, I don't care what y'all say. If that would have been a little black boy drawing dead bodies with blood drawn on them anywhere in the United States of America, his little black ass would have been out of that school, probably would have left in handcuffs. This is what st- systemic racism looks like. If you need a sign, and in this particular situation, I'm not making about race, dot, 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 but I want you to look at that. I want somebody to justify that and tell me that that's okay, that this kid was able to stay in school. The parents didn't even check to see if he had the gun that they had just bought him two days ago. Took him to target practice. And I don't care what you say, you know your kid, right? You know your kid. You might not know the extent of all the things your kid does, but there are things that you hear about your kid and you know it was your kid. I'm, I'm 31. There are things my mama hears and she's like, yeah, no, that's not my child. Nah. Nah. Never. My, my, <laughs> when the whole R. Kelly thing popped, my mom would never be worried about her kid being an R. Kelly because her son likes old women. Older women. She, she, she knows her child. She knows her children. The good and the bad. 
if you're parenting, listening, you know your child. If you have a parent that was active and involved in your life, they know you. Even if they're blind to, oh no, little Johnny's just a great child. No, no, no. You know little Johnny's a hellraiser and you scared the hell of little Johnny. Nevertheless, for this kid to get the the response of he's just disturbed, get him in counseling 48 hours. No, Baker act his ass and get him out the building. That's what we would have done. The kid looked different. And then for the mom to send a text during the shooting that says, don't do it. So you knew your child. You knew your child was capable of doing this. You bought your child a gun. You argued with the teachers and were dismissive with the teachers when they presented the information. And then you text your child and say, don't do it. You are America's jackass. You and your husband then go on the run. Y'all deserve every charge. They deserve every charge they get. Not even so much because the child doesn't have their own level of responsibility, but for acting so damn naive, not even naive, for willingly turning a blind eye and then running under the jail. Tavio. That that's not a that's not a Second Amendment conversation. That's not a that's not a uh, 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 a mental health conversation that is squarely on those parents for being jackasses for being what I like to call punk ass parents punk ass parenting deal with your children it, it feels like something out of a movie we've seen it and we've got to stop being numb to these school shootings, to these school massacres. They happen too often. And, uh, and, and you know, kind of makes me choke up. Just the thought of uh, the thought that it could happen. And, um, yeah. That ought to scare everybody. And no, I don't want our schools to look like military zones or people going through. Remember when I was in high school, there was a threat of gun of somebody shooting up the school. And every day we had to go through metal detectors and people combing through bags and all kind of stuff. And it was just the most painstaking thing. I don't I don't want kids to learn or grow up in that environment. But I want parents to stop being punk ass parents. My, my my niece and my nephew would tell you they've been mad at their uncle for a few months because I go through phones, I go through Instagram inboxes, Snapchat inboxes, TikTok inboxes, whatever if it's got an inbox. I gotta know because because children nowadays scream out for help in different ways, and if your child is screaming out to you for help and your answer is to get them the gun, you're a jackass parent. And, uh, and that's all I got to say about that. So this has been another episode of A New Perspective. Um, until next week, I love you.
even if we don't wake up from this movie. And there's nothing you can do about it. Peace.